name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It sort of struck me this year, looking at the child and the narrative of the New Testament, just how much of a troublemaker Jesus really was, or at least how much additional trouble he caused his parents. They had to go to Bethlehem because that's where the Messiah had to be born. They had to go down to Egypt and back in order to replay the Exodus. They had to go back to Nazareth and not Bethlehem because the king's son didn't like him. And then today's gospel where Jesus decides to stay behind in Jerusalem, requiring his parents uh, two additional days journey on foot. Our Christmas and Epiphany devotion has to focus on what we might call the sort of holiness of the Incarnation. God is with us and this sanctifies our everyday lives and pleasures. And this is a true and valid emphasis, but there can be a danger of what we might call domestication. If we domesticate a wild animal, we take him out of the wild, we bring the animal to our home and train him so that he's no longer dangerous to us, but only to be there as a friend and comforter. And there is some danger in our approach to Jesus of the same thing, that we bring him into our homes and remove the teeth so that he will only comfort us, but never bite us or challenge us. This is why C.S. Lewis, in his famous series, Chronicles of Narnia, said of Aslan represents Christ in those series, that he was not a tame lion. He was good, but he wasn't safe. Jesus is not uh, always so easy to be around. If we're honest about our reading of the New Testament, we realize that Jesus is not really a nice guy, as we would define a nice guy. He is always willing to confront, to make people uncomfortable. People around him, they have to change what they're thinking and doing because he is there. Thus, at age 12, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem with the Passover celebration, while the caravan began to return to Nazareth, about 70 miles away. <clears throat> this tarrying in Jerusalem without parental consultation required Mary and Joseph a day's journey back to Jerusalem and then a day's journey back to the caravan. A day's journey may have been 15 miles, year to day a few miles. So if you think about what was required of Mary and Joseph, it's like walking from here to Anaheim Stadium and back. It's about what Jesus saying behind the Jerusalem required of them. <clears throat> the two things that are notable beyond that, Mary was very angry, why have you done this to us? And Jesus was completely unapologetic. He made it clear that any failure on their part to understand what was going on was a failure on their part to understand what God was doing. This highlights another aspect of what it means that God is with us. There is, to be sure, in the presence of God with us, the grace of forgiveness, the wisdom of guidance, the comfort we have in the communion of the saints. But these things were all experienced in the middle of arduous spiritual journeys, strange thought terms, and unexpected actions on the part of God. 
Jesus doesn't act, we expect him to act. And this spends on people. Jesus doesn't do what he's supposed to do. My first church uh, that I served was a Episcopalian lady who said she didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God because of this story. I mean, how could Jesus do this to his mother? <laughs> On a more humorous example might be found in a character played by the actor Will Ferrell in a movie called Talladega Nights, where he was used to offering grace before meals to the baby Jesus. And when it was pointed out by his family that Jesus actually grew up and became a man, he more fervently prayed to the eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. Likewise, we often are more comfortable with the baby Jesus who is so sweet and mild and doesn't even talk. We like him more than the adulterer who's a little more disruptive. Committed Christians came Jesus, I think, subconsciously. I don't, we're all aware of the story of, of Christ in our lives and the require our cross. We, we know that there's difficulty. But I think what happens is we live as Christians for extended periods of time in a relative state of peace. You know, God is with us and we have routines of life and then all of a sudden something happens and we say, what's going on? Why is God doing this? I think this matches up very well with the gospel story because this is the gospel story. Jesus is 12 years old and we don't have any gospel telling about Jesus from the time he's two to the time he's 12. And I think because these 10 years, this is because these 10 years are relatively uneventful. Jesus was a child of Nazareth, normally doing all the things that the parents expected him to do. Then all of a sudden, this Passover visit when he was 12, and I suspect he went to Passover every year, so they had an expect expectation of his behavior. When he was 12, when he stays behind, it comes to the shock. Why is this happening now? The story reminds us that Jesus did not become man. The Son of God did not become man merely to protect our domestic tranquility. Where Jesus is present, there will be inevitably some sort of discomfort. He will be about his Father's will in our lives in ways that will make us uncomfortable and will be inconvenient. We may get frustrated or angry or disappointed. And Jesus' response will be the same. The issue is we don't understand what God is doing, and so the lessons are ours to learn. The season of Epiphany focuses on the ways that Jesus is revealed as the Son of God by a star to the wise men who are led. Next week we'll have the baptism of Jesus where Jesus is, the Trinity is revealed, is revealed as the Son of God, the voice of the Father, and the descent of the Dove. The week after that we'll have the turning of water into wine that manifests forth the glory of Christ. Today's story acts as an epiphany because of the punchline. Didn't you know that I hadn't got my father's business? And highlighting that God is his father is highlights that Jesus is the Son of God. And as the Son of God, doing the will of the Father, the will of the Father will always come 
will of his family and our wills as well. This highlights a significant truth that not all epiphanies are glorious. We think about God revealing himself to us, we think maybe about, you know, an inspiring vision or a dream or an angelic visitation or some miraculous thing that happens and we go, oh yeah, I'm saved from this or I'm saved from that. This reminds us that not all epiphanies work that way. The event uh, that reveals Jesus to us may be uncomfortable. We may discover God working in ways that we're not familiar with. In fact, we may wonder at times why God is distant from us, or where is he in this? And the fact is he may be a lot closer than we think. We just need to look at it in a different way and understand that God reveals himself in all things, not just in things that make us feel good. Jesus is present in our lives to redeem us and to sanctify us and make us holy. And this will not always make us happy. Mary didn't understand what had happened and she was not at all happy about it. But the defining feature of Mary in this story and other stories like this New Testament is that it tells us that she, quote, pondered all these things in her heart. That is, she didn't understand it, but she went away and thought about it over time and came to understand it by reflection. And she is an example for us. We don't understand what God was doing. We're supposed to think about it and reflect on it and discern the will of God prayerfully over time. A lot of times we understand what's going on until we have an extended period of reflection understanding how God worked in a situation, how we brought his good out of whatever we experience may take a year or two or five or ten. But a foundation of faith is the trust that God is in control and this is the case and what we just need to do is reflect long enough to figure it out. When we follow the example of Mary and contemplate serious and inconvenient work of God in our lives, the things that may have made us angry or frustrated at one point in time come to be seen in a different way. We begin to discern the presence of the Son of God. What was angry and angry and frustrating becomes a revelation, becomes a new way we see Jesus, becomes for us a new in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We'll be joyful in the Lord, all you man. Serve the Lord with